You're listening to the Master Photography Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Masterclass. Masterclass offers exclusive access to online classes by masters of their craft. Learn everything from cooking to filmmaking to portrait photography. Get unlimited access to every Masterclass with $30 off at masterclass.com slash MPP. That's masterclass.com slash MPP for $30 off your first year of the All Access Pass. Once again, that's masterclass.com slash MPP. Welcome into the Master Photography Roundtable, part of the Master Photography Podcast Network. You're joined by thousands of photographers listening to this show who are all on the same journey to master their photography. I am your host, Jeff Harmon, and I have on with me Miss Erica K. Erica, I know our audience has been dying to hear from you. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I'm doing really well. Just, you know, heading into the uh, busiest part of the year, really. <laughs> yeah. So you, you've been super busy. We're going to get into that a lot in this episode yeah. just to kind of catch people up on what's been going on with Erica. Mm-hmm. But for new listeners, because Erica, we've had a lot of people add subscriptions to our show, I can tell. Yeah. And yep. um, and so I wanted to just kind of introduce you a little bit to everyone who might not be as familiar with you since you haven't been on for a bit. She's She and Connor are the co-hosts of the very, very popular Portrait Session podcast here on the Master Photography Podcast Network. And Erica is also managing a couple of photography businesses. And we're, that's what we're going to talk about today and kind of what's been going on there. But first, I want to have you talk just a little bit about Portrait Session. There have been so many people asking <laughs> questions in Facebook like crazy, like, where is Portrait Session? So what's going on with Portrait Session, Erica? Yes, so many questions. And trust me, Connor and I are like feeling the heat. <laughs> um <laughs> Before I really get into it, I just want to say thank you so much to everybody who listens to Portrait Session, the people who have supported us over the past several years, especially those of you who have been listening from the very beginning. And I especially want to express my gratitude for all of your patience because I know it's been a little bit of a wild ride with us, uh, you know, taking breaks and having to put a pause on the show for a while. And I can tell that some patience is wearing thin as people are starting to remove (laughs) us from their podcatchers, but that's okay. I totally understand. Um, To fill everybody in, Connor and I just have become overwhelmingly busy. He's going back to school for engineering while also maintaining his portrait photography business and, you know, being a human being. Um, I am running. I own two photography businesses. I am also trying to start a family and there's just been a lot of things happening on my side of, of the world as well. So we've just had a lot of trouble balancing the editing side of things in particular. Um, we have even several episodes that have already been recorded that are just sitting in the queue waiting to be edited. So, um, we understand the frustration. We we recognize it and we apologize for it. Um, Connor and I actually have um, a call set up. Well, we're working on setting up a call to talk about what the future of Portrait Session looks like. We, long story short, short we had somebody who was supposed to take over the editing side of things for us and that doesn't seem to be going as we had hoped. So we're really trying to figure it out so that we can get you know back on the air for all of you guys who are so patient with us. 
Perfect. Well, I'm sure everyone's really excited that there's there's potential to have this show come back for a little bit more again. Um, I, just so everyone understands, it it doesn't. It's not a really trivial thing to put out a good quality podcast episode. Like, <laughs> no, it's a lot of work. <laughs> it is. It is. It, it's multiple times the time of the show that you're hearing that it takes to do it. I, on average, at least, well, for Photo Taco, I spend a lot more time because I'm usually incorporating a lot of research into some kind of topic mm-hmm. too. So I, that can be as much as eight or ten hours for a single hour of of audio. For master photography, it's probably more like I don't know two to three hours for every hour that is there. And so it, mm-hmm. it it's multiplied. It's not just like we record and then put it out. Plus the the show notes, we want to make sure that that's a good resource for everybody. So you can be able to find information about previous episodes through the search bars on our website. All that takes time. So it it is yeah. very time consuming. <laughs> and, it is very time yeah. consuming. Yeah. Okay. So with that said, everyone can look forward to um, some movement on Portrait Session, we hope. And let's let's move to the main topic that we have today in this episode. We want to talk about pivoting your photography business. And that's because Eric has had some really firsthand experience with having to deal with that. So, so Erica, tell me about what's been going on and kind of what's what made you decide you had to pivot a little bit, maybe changing your business strategy and plans with your businesses. Yeah, I have within both of my photography businesses recently and just really for the duration of the businesses, I've had to pivot a few times. Um, and I feel like right now I'm at a place where both of my businesses are like almost taking a complete 180 degree turn. I, I've had to make little changes here and there as I think everybody does in business. But right now I'm at a place where I'm really trying to reevaluate what I'm doing with my time and my energy and what's most important to me, especially as I want to, you know, have a baby soon. I just have to really figure out where my energy and time should be going. Um, And this has definitely led to some major pivots, both with Erica K Photography and with um, UA Creative Studios. So with Erica K Photography, that's probably what most of you know me by or or recognize um, me from. That's my wedding and engagement and dance photography business. I, the pivot there has been, first it was a pivot to a boutique experience. So, um, incorporating a lot more aspects of the client experience into the business, Mm -hmm. really making sure that, um, I'm, I'm creating this really boutique high end exceptional experience for my clients, which then allows me to, you know, have higher prices, uh, so that was my first pivot. And then as things have changed in other parts of my life and with UA Creative, which I'll get to in a minute, uh, I've actually started experimenting with adding other genres to Erica K photography. Uh, I've never really been a huge fan of like just shooting anything and everything that comes your way. Uh-huh. And I'm still not really a huge <laughs> fan of that. I think, you know, focusing on perfecting or mastering uh, one or two or three specific genres is much more helpful both to you as a photographer and to your clients than trying to just be okay at everything. Um, but I am really opening myself up to other opportunities. And I think 
my personal decisions with my family and uh, with my other business have led to that decision. And I'm not saying that I'm like going to photograph all the babies and all the birthday parties and, you know, everything, but I am opening myself up to some other genres and I'm in the process of building a new website and a, a new branding and everything for Erica K to reflect these changes. What made you get there then? I mean, you don't have to give like specific details of what happened, but if there's other photographers out there, maybe they're in a similar spot where like, I I feel like I need a change for some reason, but what's prompting, what prompted you to kind of need to make a change? Is it just the personal circumstances? Yeah. So I want to talk in a minute about like reasons why people should pivot within their business. But for me personally, the main reasons why I just made that decision were one personal things happening in my life, Uh understanding that I do want to have a child soon. I am trying to have a baby and shooting a ton of weddings every year with a baby is just not how I want to live my life. (laughs) Um, So that was really the, the main uh, decision-making factor there, but also the pivot within UA Creative Studios, which I'll, I also want to talk about, yeah. it uh, kind of led me in that direction gotcha. with Erica Kay as well. Okay. Let, let's go to the Creative Studios change then. What, what's going on there? Okay. So UA Creative Studios is my commercial corporate production company that I have with, uh, with a partner. And uh, we started out way back in the day in like 2014, I believe it was, as just your like retail photography studio, we were doing headshots and seniors and pictures of Santa Claus and I just you. You know, uh-huh. anything really <laughs> appealing to the masses. And then over time, we transitioned to strictly corporate and commercial and editorial based. So we were just working with, with companies or, um, you know, small businesses, individuals who were uh, entrepreneurs or contractors of some sort. So we were focusing specifically on photos and videos for businesses. And over time, we we realized that we love that type of work, but we were getting really frustrated with producing really great work and not not seeing the clients, the businesses actually use the assets, the photos and videos, how they should be used. Sometimes we didn't even see them used at all. So from there, we decided we wanted to actually develop more into an agency. So now we're we're classified as a creative agency, which means we not only uh, produce the content that these companies need, but then we also help them market themselves with the content. So oh, we okay. provide everything from um, social media services to marketing services, to branding services, to advertising services. So we're kind of like your one-stop shop now for everything you need to be able to market yourself creatively um, and, you know, boost your business. I see. Okay. That's cool. Um, Yeah. It's been a big change. (laughs) Yeah. And a lot of work. Every time you pivot, that's a lot of work, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so let's so go we're in over. The, we're in that change to agency right now, which is why things have been so crazy for me and so busy for me is we're in the middle of that pivot to the agency and making a lot of decisions about you know the direction we want to go and what we want to do yeah. and just there's just a lot to think about and a lot to decide. Sure. Okay, let's let's talk about then 
the the things that maybe photographers, listeners out there who maybe feel like they're kind of in the same thing, why would they consider a pivot? Give me some of the reasons to go through why why a photographer might make that bold move to pivot their business. Yeah, I think there there are a ton of reasons why people pivot out there, but there are four main reasons that I think are probably the most common reasons that you see. The first one I think is is outgrowing your current business or your business is no longer meeting your needs or providing you with what you want. Um, that can be financially or just what you're interested in or, uh-huh. in, or you know, any factor in, in whatever way you have outgrown what you're currently doing within your business. That could be maybe you've just decided that you no longer want to offer every type of portrait photography right. and you want to specialize or it could be the, the opposite. You have been specializing and you want to ex- experiment and explore because you feel like you've outgrown that one specialty. It, so, it seems like that's something that a lot of photographers may run into. Uh-huh. You, you start your business when you first kind of start getting to learning how to use your camera and then, and you decide I'm going to do something, but it's not, and then you master it. You, you figure out how to use your camera really well, figure out your editing technique, all of that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. then you're like, well, wait, there's there's more to this than I want or something like, it seems like this is a, a really common possibility for a lot of photographers. Yes, it, it really is. That's why I wanted to talk about that one first because yeah. this one probably is the most common one. And it also can be, you know, financial. You can, you can, maybe you decided that you want to get a studio and your current business is not supportive of the, you know, financial needs that you would have with a studio. So you need to pivot and re, you know, reimagine what you're going to do with your, your business there. Cause you've outgrown that business in order to be able to get a studio. Perfect. Okay. What's another reason? Okay. So another reason would be maybe you've had some opportunities offered to you that you never thought about in the past or, or just you know weren't aware of in the past. So for example, um, I know a photographer here in my my local community who has been a, an amazing wedding photographer for a very long time. And she just told me a few weeks ago that she is shutting down her wedding business and she's going strictly to corporate. And it all started from somebody offering her the opportunity to, opportunity to do like, I don't know, 50 headshots or something for their company. Mm-hmm. And she that made her realize that she no longer wanted to focus on weddings and the stress and the pressure that that come with weddings, not to say that there's not a lot of stress, stress and pressure with corporate stuff, but she just felt that draw to something different because that opportunity was offered to her. Perfect. Yeah. And it seems like that might be fairly common, at least if you if you do get a lot better at photography there's probably going to be opportunities like that that are going to come up, especially if you get engaged with your community. If you get engaged with the, the businesses in your area, the the wedding planners, whatever, all, all the different needs for photography, real estate, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Then, then, And if you can do really high quality work, it seems like people are going to start asking you, to, is there any way you can do this other thing? I know you don't usually do this. But right. Can you it was, do it? Yeah, absolutely. You start making those connections and you get more and more word of mouth referrals. Right to that same type of photography. And another thing for that one is if you know someone or you, you know, you ha- you're friends with someone who just randomly say, Hey, can you do this type of photography for me? And, and you do, and you decide that you like it, that opens up a whole new world of photography for you and a whole different side of your business. Right. Okay. What's another, what's the third one? 
Okay. So identifying unmet needs in the market. This one is is kind of exciting because it's it's unique and it's allowing you or people to tap into an area that is probably not very crowded, not very flooded, um, which means that you might have a lot of success with this. So if you notice that there is an unmet need in your local market, it's not a bad idea to consider pivoting your business to meet that need. So for example, if there are not very many senior photographers, which is probably not likely because I feel like they're everywhere, <laughs> right, right. or there aren't many high-end like fashion or glamour photographers in your community, and you are really interested in, the, in that type of photography, make that pivot, meet that need, and just take over that industry within your market. Right. Seems like number two with the opportunities might be offered to you might lead to three. Is that like, it could, yeah. yeah, yeah. Some, someone has a need. They knew you as a really good photographer and they're like, and again, it's that, hey, can you do this? I know you don't normally do it. Then you, you might want to say, well, I wonder how many people, how many, how many needs there are <sighs> yeah. for this thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Do your research and, and figure out if, if there are is anyone else or how many other people are doing that and right. see if you can tap into that market. Um, as a personal example, my mint, uh, so I used to do mentoring when, back when we offered that mm -hmm. here through the podcast, right. um, I called my, my mentees, my uh, mentoids. Uh, <laughs> so if I say mentoid, that's what I'm talking about. Um, so I had a couple of mentoids who were really into like, Think like glamour shots of the nineties, but oh, you know, right. modern spin on uh -huh. it. <laughs> so okay. like really beautiful portraits of females that, you know, just really highlighted their their natural beauty and allowed them to have a really great experience. And both of those mentoids did not have anybody in their cities that that, that were offering anything like that. Uh -huh. So they I worked with them to develop a business around that. They tapped into that market. They met that need that no one else was meeting. And um, as far as I know, they've been really successful with that specific business model. Um, so do some research into your market and see if, if there's an area that it's really lacking so that you can tap into that and just take over. Perfect. Okay. What's the fourth one? All right. The fourth one is, and this one that happens a lot, it's just just a general loss of interest or a loss of passion with what you're current do, currently doing, or maybe you've discovered that you have greater interest or, or you're more passionate about a different type of photography. Mm -hmm. This happens all the time. People, you know, get burnt out or get bored with what they're currently doing. So they want to try something else. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. I think it's it's a good idea to keep yourself fresh and feeling creative and making sure that you're doing what what makes you happiest. Um, so it's a good idea to really think about your ideal feelings and your ideal emotions, how you want to feel when you're shooting and when you're creating and really evaluate if the things that you're doing right now, the things that you're photographing right now are really making you feel the way you want to feel. And then if not, maybe it's time to make a pivot. Right. Yeah. See if there's something new, <clears throat> sorry, new, you can go investigate and grow by yeah. doing it. I, I know that's one of the things that, so it, that's like probably the one of the things that 
restricts me from doing more as far as a business for photography. I mean, I, I have a day job that I really love, so I'm I'm not looking to replace that. I I love what I'm doing. It's definitely You're lucky. yeah, I know it's <laughs> it's providing for my family. So um, so I'm not looking to do that. I the the photography stuff is completely a hobby and passion for me, and I love doing everything I can do with it. But I think part of the reason I like it so much is the growth opportunities, the things that I can learn. I love yeah. learning. I love learning in general. So. It's really fun to be able to kind of have a a hobby that's putting a couple of worlds together for me in the artistic side of things as well as with challenging myself to learn something mm-hmm. and 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 even like it it takes me outdoors which helps that's a good thing yeah. for me to be outdoors <laughs> and there's all kinds of of things that I really like about it um and I kind of worry if I started a business I, I really took a, a go at a business cuz I I have a little tiny thing but it's it's nothing big it's just mainly for family and friends and taking taking uh portraits with them but mm-hmm. um but if I really did that's it's kind of one of the things I'd worry about is that I might lose that interest or passion and yeah. I might not like it anymore yeah. I don't know it's it's uh, you know everyone's individual things there it's just kind of one of my the things in the back of my head that I always think about yeah, and it's it's a valid concern. I mean, I can testify to that. I <laughs> I, you know, shoot so much for work that I don't want to touch my camera even if I'm traveling yeah. or if I'm doing something really cool or I'm hanging out with my niece and nephew. The last thing I want to do is pick up my camera because I have my camera in my hand pretty much all day every day otherwise. Right, right. So, yeah, it's a struggle. <laughs> yeah. I see and I I do. I have like the opposite when I have um a niece or a nephew come over. Um, yeah, some, a lot of times we're like, Hey, let, let's get some photos. Let's, let's yeah. go, let's get out the <laughs> yeah. backdrop. I want to play around. That. And, and, you know, <laughs> when they get to be teenagers, like, Oh yeah, let's do it. Or yeah. when they're little bitty kids, then it's just fun. When I, when mom or dad that, uh, we, like if we were watching their, their child for a little while, get to show them some photos we made. It was, it's really fun. I love it. I love being yeah. able to do that. Yeah, Absolutely. Okay, so those are some common reasons I would love to have. Let's let's see if we can engage our Facebook group with this discussion. And if when I post this episode to the group, I'd love to have everyone kind of contribute. What other reasons are there that you might be thinking about pivoting your business, and yeah. and what kind of help or support you might need? We're we're here to help each other. We we're trying really hard to build that community that is helpful wants to help everybody to to continue down that path toward towards mastering their photography. So go and if you have a question or something you've been thinking about pivoting your business, let us know. Let's and and I'm sure other listeners are going to jump right in. We have a really active group there in the Facebook group to to do that. I want to move mm-hmm. now to though kind of what what do you want to make sure you do when you you've made that decision? I, like for mm-hmm. whatever the four reasons we just went through, there're probably others for whatever reason you decided I needed to make that pivot. Now, how do you, what's like a process, something you need to go through to make sure that your pivot has a, the best chance for success? Yeah, it's, I don't want to scare anybody by saying this, but when you make that pivot, you are almost starting over from the beginning with your business. I mean, not completely because you've already, you know, established yourself as a credible photographer. Sure. You have contacts and you have a network. So you're not completely starting from scratch, but you are essentially starting a new business if you're making, you know, a pretty large pivot. Right. So you 
kind of want to do the same things that you should do if you're starting a business from scratch. So the first thing you want to do is make sure you're doing your homework, do your research. You want to research what kind of structure will be best for your business. You want to research pricing so that you can put a really good solid pricing plan or pricing structure into place. You want to go back, going back to those unmet needs that I was talking about earlier, you want to do some research on those, figure out what is missing, what is oversaturated and figure out how you can either change the game a little bit or meet those needs that are not being met. You want to research your competitors, see what they're doing, what they're offering, see if you can get some pricing information from them. If you can, hopefully you can. (laughs) Um, You want to research your target market. You want to figure out who your ideal client is and how you can speak to them and get them to pay you, you know, to, to create the photos that you want to create. Okay. So when you say research, is this you're, you're out on Google doing a lot of this. Uh, what, sure. other, what other ways are you researching? So for me, I'm, I'm a person that likes to sit at my computer and just like dive in. So right. I would be on Google. I would be in my community Facebook, uh, my community, community photographer groups, whether that's on Facebook or Meetup or whatever. Um, so I'd be doing a lot of online research. But you can also go to networking events. You can go to photography meetups. You can go to these groups and, you know, talk to people in person. You can actually reach out to photographers that you admire or, you know, maybe who are in the same field that you're hoping to pivot to and ask to have a coffee date or a cocktail date with them and and set up a time to just chat with them and pick their brain. Some photographers might not be completely open to that, but <laughs> a lot of photographers are. So don't be don't be offended or afraid if you get some no's. You'll hopefully get a yes in there as well. Yeah. Um, but you know, do what feels best for you. If you're a huge introvert and the thought of like going to coffee with a stranger just makes you want to like throw up, <laughs> then don't do that. Maybe wait, put that on the back burner and do that later and start with the computer-based research, you know, stalk people a little bit. Right. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of different ways that you can, you can start that research process. Okay. So uh, what, you have any other tips? Okay. So you also want to make sure that you're updating everything. So if you have an existing business and you're making that pivot, you have to update everything that people see. So you're updating your portfolio with, with, uh, photos of the new genre or whatever it is that you want to do. You have to update the portfolio to reflect that. You have to update your social media. You have to update your website. You have to update your Google, your Yelp, all of those directory type listings to make sure that the description of your business is clear and really telling people what it is that you are offering and to make sure that you have the photos there so that people can see what they what they can see what they should expect out of you when working with you. Okay. So you mentioned portfolio to get those photos. I, it might be hard at least initially to get those photos if you don't have like an established business in that genre yet. Right. So how, how did you recommend that they get that portfolio? Yeah. So it's just like if you were starting up your business, you want to reach out to people, you know, reach out to your connections, reach out to your family, reach out to anybody you can or do post model calls. It really kind of depends on what type of photography you're looking to get into. If you're looking into just a different genre of like the retail sphere of photography, which is like the retail side of things are like um, newborns, seniors, um, family photos. That's the retail side of things is when you're working with 
you know, just a, a, an individual who are looking to document some memories. So if you're looking into that side of things for your pivot, reach out to your close family and friends and start working with people you know for free. Um, eventually you can start charging more and more and more until you are actually making money off of it. But that's a good way to really build up that side of your portfolio. If you're looking to do more corporate work or commercial work, you need to get into that arena. Um, so reach out to some professionals that you know, get yourself involved in professional networking groups and start really um, photographing people in that sphere to build up that side of your portfolio. So it's just, it's really no different than starting completely from scratch when you're trying to develop your portfolio. You've got to just kind of like wiggle your way in and (laughs) use your resources and um, maybe, maybe, maybe shoot for free a time or two just until you get a couple things in your portfolio. You don't have to like, when you're making the pivot, you don't have to completely revamp your entire portfolio your work by that point should be strong enough that it speaks. Oh my gosh, I can't talk strong enough so that it will speak for itself. So whether you are a wedding photographer looking to go corporate, as long as you have just a couple of corporate images on there, they can look at your wedding work and see that they see that, you know what you're doing um, and be able to use that as an example of the quality of work that you're going to provide for them as well. So don't feel like you have to like, you know, just, completely fill your portfolio for free with, with the, with the new genre that you want to shoot. Just make sure you have a little bit in there so that you can advertise that service and then you can start, you know, filling it up with paid work. Do you think you have to start over with your social media and website? Like maybe get a new domain name, get a new social media account, or, or would you recommend sticking with the one that already has some kind of recognition and just transition that the same account, the same website? I always recommend sticking with what you have if you can. The, okay, so if you are, let's say your photography business is like twinkle toes newborns or something <laughs> okay, like that, right? but you want to go corporate, yeah, that's you're obviously going to have to like, you know, you're <laughs> going to have to change things. You're going to have to get a new domain and name and social media and everything. But if you have something generic like Erica K photography, I can shoot anything sure. with the name Erica K photography. So if you have something that will work with the new genre, then just stick with it. You already have your followers. You already have your SEO be, um, building up. You have that presence already with that name. So don't change it unless you absolutely have to. Okay. And that might be uh, that might be a piece of it too though is like if you have an existing social media and it hasn't done well. <laughs> then maybe yeah. maybe this is a time to see like, okay, I'm gonna make a separation we from that. Change. We're gonna start <laughs> over and we're gonna do this right this time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And when I say you need to update your social media or update your website, that's really just update your description, update the type of service that you're providing, you know, and all the settings that you have on Facebook or whatever, so that people see that you are a corporate photographer and not a newborn photographer. You want to just make sure that you're updating those categories and those descriptions so that they're accurate and up to date. Right. Okay. What other tips do you have for us? Okay. So one of the things I said that you need to research is your target market and your ideal client. So when you make that pivot, you actually have to do something (laughs) with that 
with that ideal client with that target market. So you need to actually put your marketing plan into place and figure out how you're going to target your target market. Um, so you want to ideal or identify who your ideal client is. How much money do they make? What do they look like? What do they spend their money on? What do they wear? What's their style? Um, and that will help you determine how you should market to them. So if your ideal client is like a, I don't know, 30-year-old millennial who uh, drinks Starbucks every day and wears Ugg boots, you're going to market to that client in a very different way than if your ideal client is a 50-year-old CEO that you know buys $2,000 suits. So you have to identify who that person is that you want to be photographing, your ideal client, and then break it down from there to figure out how you should best market to them. Okay. And and setting aside some money to market, is that part of what you you want to make sure that you, like, you have an expectation going in? Like, this isn't just going to organically happen. I need to actually go and pay for some targeted marketing that yeah i mean you know that old saying it takes money to make money that's definitely true i'm not saying you have to like you know go broke doing that to be honest i only spend if i'm not counting the not which you have to pay to be a part of wedding photographers or wedding vendors have to pay to be on the not if i don't count the not I probably only pay maybe two or three hundred dollars a year on advertising for Erica K. So you don't have to go broke doing it, right. but it is a good idea to to run targeted ads and to put a little bit of money into advertising so that you can be sure that you're reaching the people you want to reach. And and are there some top hitters for the where to invest that money? Facebook is a really good one. Um, so. F- Facebook is weird because they don't love businesses unless right. you pay them. Right. <laughs> so, right. so a lot of people try out having a face a business page on Facebook and it doesn't do so well organically. So they're like, screw this. I'm not doing anything. Facebook sucks. But if you put a little money behind it, it actually does really well. So that's probably my number one place to advertise is on Facebook. Google is another really good one. Um, and Instagram, we've had a little bit of success with Instagram ads, but I haven't done as much. I haven't tried as much on Instagram as I have on Google and Facebook. Okay. All right. So there's some couple of places and maybe doing it, especially in front of like a, a known slow time. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That is so smart. So I have found over the years of my my career as a photographer that January, February, March are like so slow. So if you put some money into advertising, let's say like in October and November, you could probably keep yourself pretty busy throughout the slow season. Yeah. Discount it's codes be different or something for, like you that. Know, yeah. Different areas. But right. yeah. Very cool. Okay. So I, the other thing that I think of when I think about a business pivot, it, it feels like a a really big task, really it scary, is. really bold kind of move that you have to make. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you, what do you think about making sure that someone like has the attitude that they need to be able to go and do this? 
Yeah, you're so right. It's hard and it's stressful. And sometimes you're like, why did I do this? This <laughs> yeah. is such, such a terrible a decision. <laughs> um, so you just have to kind of keep your eye on the prize and be grateful for the successes that you've had. Be grateful for the people who are putting their trust in you and their faith in you and paying you money to, to photograph them because that's really cool in and of itself. Um, you need to stay optimistic, always stay positive and just keep thinking about visualizing what you want for the future and what you want your business to look like. Just keep that in your mind at all times so that you can continue heading toward that goal. And you just have to work really, really hard. You're probably going to be tired. If you're working a full-time job outside of photography, you're probably going to be working all day and then all night. (laughs) But if this is really what you want, you have to work hard so that eventually you can get to the place where you are not having to work very hard, but that you're in a gr- in a place where you're super excited and you know happy about what you've achieved. Excellent. Okay, I think we covered that pretty well. Again, Facebook group. If you guys if you have discussion that you want to have, you have more thoughts to contribute here. Love to hear what you have to say. And um, I know Erica watches those groups, so she'll she'll jump in there, and and we can talk about what needs that you have as a photographer. And and if you've been contemplating a pivot to see if you Mm -hmm. can get somewhere else, then, uh, then maybe we can help you out. So we'd love to hear, hear your comments in the Facebook group. And remember to join that Facebook group, you can go to our show notes. We'll have a link in at the, in the show notes, or you can just search for master photography podcast in Facebook. You do have to answer a question to join the group. We want to make sure we only have listeners in there. So no, no bots or spammers. We'll kick out the spammers if somehow they get through. And uh, so you have to answer a the, the question of naming a host on the show. So that'll work for uh, Jeff or Erica. That'll be great. Or any of the other hosts that we've had on the show, we, we, we can recognize those names. And I see tons of people asking to join the group that don't answer that question. So don't, yep. don't try Decline. to come in. <laughs> yep. It's immediate. <laughs> like there's no thoughts. Just nope. You didn't answer the question. So done. So um, yeah, go answer that question and join the group. We'd love to have you there. We're going to take a quick break here to thank a sponsor. And then we're going to, we do have a few questions and answers that we're going to get to in just a second. First, though, when we decided to call the podcast and our network the Master Photography Podcast, I was just a little bit nervous because that kind of can be taken like we think we're masters here. And that is not really what it is. This is, it's the spirit of, of all our incredible listeners working towards mastering the art of photography. We're all on that journey to master the art. And I include myself in that mix, very much learning about photography. It's what I like about it. And like I said earlier, I really love learning things. And that's why we're really happy to have a partner who's helped to make this episode possible in Masterclass. Masterclass is online training of the highest quality taught by masters of their field. You can learn magic from Penn and Teller. You can learn how to shoot a basketball from Steph Curry. You can learn how to cook from Gordon Ramsay, filmmaking from Spike Lee, Martin Scorsese. There's a lot of true masters of their craft who have worked with Masterclass to create courses that will help you to master that thing. Learn from them. Learn from the masters. Uh, You can learn from... um, of portrait photography from Annie Leibovitz. And it, it's amazing. So Eric and Connor are really good. Te- we talked about the portrait session podcast at the beginning of the show. 
they're, they have a lot of really great advice and that, that you should absolutely make sure you're subscribed to that podcast if you want to learn about portrait p- photography. But imagine if you're able to hear some thoughts from a portrait photographer who has her, had her work published in museums, in books, in magazines, from Vanity Fair to Rolling Stone. That's what you're going to get with the portrait photography course from Annie Leibovitz on Masterclass. Now, some online training classes, I know they can be tough to get through. I've had more than a few that I've been kind of disappointed with because the video wasn't great or the audio was worse or whatever kind of quality issues there might have been with the training. With Masterclass, you don't have to worry about any of that. The video is stunning. The audio is incredible. It's a really immersive training experience. And it works so well across all kinds of devices. I've been able to try it out on phone and computer and even my Apple TV. It works really well, no matter kind of what medium, what device you're using to see the training. I also know that photographers get super, super busy. We talked about that in the show too. That it, you, get, you get so hard to even set aside an hour to sit down and invest a little bit in yourself to get some, some online training. And uh, the Masterclass has done a really good job with that too. In, in more than 60 Masterclass courses, each one is broken up into multiple lessons that are between 10 and 15 minutes long. So it makes it really easy for a photographer to say, you know, I'm burned out on editing right now. I need to do something else for a little bit and go, go into Masterclass, spend 15 minutes learning about something in there and then get back to your work. And it's, it's really nice. Plus, Masterclass offers a 30-day money-back guarantee when you sign up for an annual membership. So there's really nothing to lose. As a Master Photography Podcast listener, you can get $30 off that all-access pass by going to masterclass.com slash MPP. That's masterclass.com slash MPP to get $30 off unlimited access to every course. And we want to thank Masterclass for being our partner and helping to make this episode possible. All right, Erica, let's let's take some questions. You okay with that? Let's do it. Okay, we'll see how this goes here. Um, <laughs> the first one comes from Josh Peterson in our Facebook group, Facebook group, and he said, what are some things I can do to help my business even though I have no desire to quit the day job? My photography business goals are to pay for gear and some travel. And currently, I shoot a little bit of everything. Portraits, family photos, events, landscapes, maybe things you'd wish you'd have done towards the beginning. So I, I think he wants to understand, like, he feels like he's at the start. What does he think he can do? I actually think, Jeff, you would have a really good answer to this since he has no desire to quit the day job. But <laughs> um, I'll throw a little bit in there real quick. Sure. So a uh, shameless plug, you should listen to season one of Portrait Session. Uh, that season, which which isn't at the very beginning of Portrait Session, so don't go all the way back. Kind of within the past year or so, we, we started doing seasons. So about a year ago, we launched season one. And that season was dedicated to building a business. It goes through everything that you need to do to, to build a business. So that could be a helpful tool for you. But without knowing much about where your business is currently or what you've done and haven't done, I'd recommend making sure that you have a solid portfolio that has consistent quality work in it. Make sure you're sharing that work with others, whether it's through social media, on a website, uh, it, you know, getting in people's faces with your work mm-hmm. um, and make sure you have a solid understanding of your pricing structure and the why or your why behind it all. Very good. It's, it's all fantastic advice. And I agree. 
if portraits are that's kind of maybe one recommendation right off the job the bat josh is you might enjoy doing all the types of photography you listed there with portraits family photos events and landscapes but you probably if if your goal is to make some money you probably need to narrow it a bit (laughs) i don't think you can do for sure you can't have all of those like on your website. It'll confuse everybody when they go there, which is kind of how where mine is at. But that's because I'm not trying to I'm not trying to make a, a, a ton of money at this. I'm not even trying to truly cover all of the even this the gear costs. It's great when I get some income from it to help offset some of the costs of the gear. But I work towards saving and, and budgeting towards buying that stuff. So it's my objectives are to have fun with it. And I love dabbling in every little thing there is. So, yep, people are, when they come to my site, are going to be totally confused. Like, what does this guy do? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm okay with that because that's not why I'm doing this. I have no objective of having that happen. So um, I love learning. I I like teaching too. I love teaching photography. So actually, if if I was going to be doing some something more serious, it would be in the training aspects. I would want to teach people how to use their cameras. I, there is nothing more fun to me than to see a photographer or someone who's purchased a camera. They made that investment. They don't know how to use it. And they've even tried themselves and just like failed. And like, I don't know what to do. This isn't working. It's so much fun to see that first smile when they chimp on the back of the camera and they just created a really cool photo. I love that experience. That is so much fun. Well, you're really, really good at that. So I'm glad that you enjoy it. (laughs) It's so much fun. So, but back, back to Josh's question. Um, I, I, that would be my first recommendation would be to do that. And then, uh, probably just to make sure that you kind of set some limits up for yourself too. If you truly do not want to replace your day job, then, you know, structure out schedule wise, I'm going to do my day job. I'm going to set my time for my family. I'm going to set a time for maybe other interests if there's any kind of, you know, if you watch sports or TV or whatever it is, and then figure out how much time do you truly have for doing actual client work for whatever kinds of photography you're going to do. And and then make sure that you actually use that time for that. And it's kind of the struggle I've had the most has been, I think, oh, I, I think I could set aside 10 hours a week to do this. And then I fill my time with so many other things I never get to 10 hours of. <laughs> so so uh, I, I think having a very structured approach to that so that you actually do spend some time on it. If you truly want to make some money, it's going to take some time for sure and some other things. But you, you've got to have some time to invest it in it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. Next question is from Dieter Horst. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Probably not. <laughs> anyway, he says, how do you price a service that is not easily comparable? Aesthetics and skill may vary a lot, and photographers typically don't post their pricing openly. Or say you get an 8x10 camera, how do you know what to charge for something that unique, ignoring the fact that it might not be a big market for 8x10 shooting? <laughs> you that. never know. It's All actually- right. So, so, Erica, what do you think about answering this question? Pricing a service is a really critical kind of thing. You, you've already mentioned that um, today. So what, how do you go about pricing a service? Yeah, there uh, pricing a service is hard. You have to take a lot of things into consideration. You have to take into consideration your market, what other people are charging, your skill, your you know, the quality of the service you're providing. But if we're going 
I want to move past that kind of obvious stuff a little Uh, bit and focus more on your value, you know, what you're providing to people and then what you need or want to make instead of focusing on what others are doing. Um, So, and this is especially true for some of those more unique services like an eight by 10 camera when you don't have a ton of data from your market to compare to. So if you're doing something that's, that's, you know, maybe not super unique that you have data to compare to, you can go online and just search photography pricing worksheet. And there are tons of worksheets and calculators out there that will help you calculate what you should be charging based on things like the amount of time you're spending on it, how much money you're putting into things, how much the cost of goods are within that service, how much money you need to make in order to like pay your bills Mm -hmm. and that kind of stuff. But that again is only for kind of the mainstream things, the things where there is data to be able to compare against. So for you, Dieter, I hope I'm saying that correctly, you'll want to consider your skill level and the quality of the work that you're providing. So are you just starting out with that 8x10 camera or have you been shooting it for 30 years and you're a master? That will help you determine at what price point, you know, where you should start with your pricing. You should also consider the value that you're bringing to a client. So if you're providing them with something unique, which in this case you would be, you can, it has a higher value, which means you can charge more for it. People are willing to pay for something that not everybody else has. You're more likely to make a higher price point for things that are, um, in high demand, but does not, you know, not, does not have a lot of supply. So that whole supply and demand curve. You also want to consider the confidence that you have in your ability to sell yourself. So if you're really confident in your skill with this 8x10 camera, you're really confident in the pricing that you set, you'll be more successful in actually getting people to pay those higher prices for you. So make sure that you have the confidence out that when you get out there and talk to people, that you're not second guessing yourself, that your body language is strong (laughs) so that you can charge those higher prices. It is, it's tough when you're in those, I've, I've had multiple times now where, you know, just in the course of conversation, conversation with neighbors, people around my area, they'll say, oh yeah, I've seen some of your stuff. Uh, I, I've loved, how much do you charge for a, a family shoot? And so I'll tell, I'm like, I figured out what my price is. And it, mm-hmm. like you said, you have to figure out what your price is. It, you have to consider all the other elements too, but you have to figure out what your price is. And for me, that means a couple hours, maybe even four or five hours away from my family in the most Exactly. Part. Right. So What's that worth to you? What is that worth to me? Yep. So I'll tell them. I, and at first I would be like, well, I normally do this, but for you, <laughs> I'll charge yeah. this, you know, and I've changed that even because now I've yep. just decided like, you know, if they don't want to pay to have me do it, that's okay. I'm again, not in the business. To, this is not something I'm trying to make a living at. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, if it works out and I can help a family get some really cool family portraits that they they're going to cherish for a long forever and uh and i can get the the be compensated for it the way that i want then that's great that, that works out wonderfully if not Absolutely. i'm okay i'm okay with uh with the job not going my way so i i just recent just like a couple of days ago someone had just texted me and said we're thinking about family photos how much is it you charge and so i i didn't even have to think about it i just immediately responded back and I haven't heard back from him, so I assume it was too much. But but that's mm-hmm. okay. 
Yeah, I, and I'm you'll get a lot of that. that too. But yeah. you, you just once you get that confidence, it doesn't even matter. You know that they're not your target client, and that just leaves you more time to work with the people who are your target client. Right. Okay. I want to before we move to the next question. There's a, there's one that's in there that I want to ask you about, and that's pricing openly. So I want to get your take, Erica, on whether you think photographers should put their pricing like right there on the website for everyone to see, or would you rather say, no, call me for pricing so we can talk about your project? What's your view? My view is right in the middle. I think every photographer should put a starting price point on their website. It should be public and easy to find because that will weed out the people who you know can't afford you. That will save you so much time going back and forth with someone who is definitely just not going to be able to to pay what you're charging. So putting that starting price point on your website will allow you to spend your time only talking to the people who can at least afford your lowest price point. Right. And then from there, that's when you want to you want to get them on the phone or get them in person or or actually start having a conversation because if you know that they can afford, afford your lowest price point and then you, you know, butter them up and work your magic and make them fall in love with you, then it's definitely more likely that they're going to go even above your lowest price point um, and maybe even hit your middle package or your highest package and, uh, you know, bring you in the money that you need. Okay. I like it. I like that. That's a good answer. I have been fully transparent on the <laughs> on my pricing and it maybe has cost me jobs again. I really don't care. So that hasn't been a big deal to me, but uh, and sort of exactly the same reason. I want them to know how much it is. And if that's too much, then there's no point in emailing me or calling right. me or whatever right. it is. I don't want to waste any time on it. And they shouldn't need want to waste any time on it. It's too much. Mm-hmm. It's too much. So, okay. Absolutely. All right. Uh, I think we have time for just one more little question here. And that's from okay. Dino Faraka. I don't, that's probably slaughtering it. Sorry. <laughs> um, is, it Sorry better, <laughs> is it better to crop your photo than edit it? Uh, let's see. Then edit it or edit your photo and then crop it. So which the order, do you, Erica, what, what do you think? Crop first and then edit or edit and then crop. And nobody wants to hear my answer on this. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't get into that techie stuff. <laughs> Okay, so from me, then, <laughs> what I would answer is it doesn't matter. It's it's going to be your workflow. Um, it, with Good, one, that's what I do. <laughs> with one caveat. that The caveat is if you work in Photoshop and use the crop tool, there's a little checkbox at the top that says delete the pixels. If you do that, you're not going back. It's going to delete the pixels you cropped off. So if you changed your mind later, like, yeah, that didn't quite get where crop I want to be then you're you're done and that's that's not going to work um it, it's after you've gone beyond that if you continue to do edits you're not getting back so um so with that caveat that you got to be careful if you just uncheck that box then you're good then then you'll be fine but other than that it's a non-destructive kind of thing and for the most part in in as you work on your photos so you have the luxury of being able to change your mind and do it afterwards um, the other consideration that I did see kind of mentioned in the Facebook group where this question came from was someone noticed that if you crop and then you hit like the in the basic panel in Lightroom, you hit auto to have it kind of take a guess on what the slider should be set at in the basic panel, um, that it, it's different if you crop in. And 
absolutely true. That's going to be different. It's because, and this actually might be a way to get Photoshop or sorry, Lightroom to make a better guess on those adjustments, by the way. If you crop in so that really only the subject of your photo is showing, it's only going to, Lightroom's only going to consider those pixels when you hit the auto button. It's not going to consider all the rest of the scene. And so it's going to try to adjust the sliders for you automatically. And they've, they've done a decent job of adding a little bit of AI to that auto feature so that it's doing a pretty good job to give you a very good starting point on those sliders in the basic panel. So if you crop in first, then you hit auto, Lightroom's only going to consider your subject really, and it's going to set those sliders for that. And then you can crop back out and, and work with it. Um, or if you, but if you, and if you hit it at the beginning, it's going to consider every pixel that's within the crop. So, um, so that it, it, you know, that can be a little difference that you would see and might be fun for you to play with is just kind of see how Lightroom thinks that you, you, those sliders should be set. And it's a good tool for learning. If you don't know what all the sliders are, then you could, uh, you could crop in a little bit on your subject, hit auto and see how Lightroom responds and kind of learn about what those sliders are doing. So a little tip there, but it, it really won't matter crop before or after it's up to you and how you, uh, your thought process works best. Okay, let's move on to our doodads of the week. Erica, let's start with you. Sure. So my doodad is this fun little thing I found called Fractals. The Their website actually advertises them as the world's most creative camera filters. So what they are is a, a nice little um, like case of four different prisms with finger holes that allow you to hold them or mount them onto your camera really easily. So you you hold the prism in front of the camera and it creates these really cool effects. And each of the four prisms are, you know, they have different shapes or, or different features that create a really different and unique effect. So you portrait photographers out there who are interested in, in working with prisms or reflections or just, you know, adding some cool element to your portrait photography, definitely check them out. You can just go to their website, which is, I think, getfractals.com and see a bunch of different examples of how they've been used, different videos and photos, showing you how to use them and demonstrating the cool effects that you can get with them. Um, they're just really awesome and really fun and can definitely just add a, a unique flair to your photos. Excellent. Yeah, it looks like a cool, fun little tool. Even yeah. a, a way to like jumpstart your photography, like, like we talked about a little bit, if you get bored or you've uh-huh. uh, lost a little bit of passion, then this might be a fun little thing to add and and resurrect that passion a little bit. Yep, yeah. absolutely. Super fun. All right, mine is kind of photography <laughs> related. Mine's the Saramonic SRWM4C, which I'll put a link in the show notes because nobody will remember that. But this is a wireless lab <laughs> mic. And um, I've recently started to do a little bit more work of with video. And I'm doing some YouTube videos um, I have a photo taco podcast channel on YouTube now, and I've put out a couple of videos with, uh, reviewing some products. I got a little bit of training stuff I'm putting out there. And so if you want to check out the YouTube channel, you can just search for photo taco podcast and it should come up. But this is the wireless lab. I, when I started to make these videos, I tried a few different things. I tried using like my podcast setup cause I have a nice microphone for the podcast, obviously. But it's a pain to like take my kit down <laughs> for the podcast and then go mm-hmm. use it somewhere else and then try to put it back together. And it's like, oh, it's, it's not cool. So I, I want to leave that alone. I don't want to touch it. 
And it's not really conducive that, you know, I have this big boom arm and a, a big microphone and XLR inputs, and it's it's just not going to work very well to getting it into the camera so that I, I can sync up everything right there in the camera. So this solves the problem at a, a really affordable price, $100 to get this wireless lav mic. It's just one mic. So you have one transmitter, one receiver, one like lav mic that you could clip on your shirt and then it, it has a wire down to a transmitter that you put on like your belt or the back of your pants or in your pocket and then it transmits wirelessly up to 60 feet away to your camera which has uh, then uh, goes into the input mic input of your camera and now you have really high quality audio so worked out seamlessly just put it took it out of the box put it on and used it and it was great so that's my rec my do that of the week okay we're going to close up the show, reminding everyone, masterphotographypodcast.com is the home for the show. Go check out the show notes there, Facebook group. There's a link in the, the uh, show notes that you can use to get there. We do have an Instagram account for the show that we started, but we haven't really used it that much. So, But you can, you can go check that out. Or what we'd really like is you can tag the show and uh, so we can see your shots and, and uh, you know make comments on it and stuff. So that would be fun. You can find my work at jsharmanphotos.com. Check out my Photo Taco podcast at phototacopodcast.com where I have uh, really good show notes and search topics. I've done a whole ton of like technical in-depth sorts of topics there. Uh, I bet if you have a question about photography, I have a podcast episode about it over at phototacopodcast.com. I'll put my Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter links in the show notes too. Erica, where can people find you? People can check out my work at ericakphotography.com and at uacreativestudios.com. And then you can find me on Facebook and Instagram as Erica K Photography or UA Creative Studios. And then also be sure to check out the Portrait Session podcast for everything portrait photography related. Excellent. And that's Erica K-A-Y, not just like the letter K, but Erica K-A-Y yes. photography. And it's Erica with a C. Oh, right. Yes. <laughs> Erica. You're just all kinds of difficult, aren't you? I know. Yeah. I confuse people all the time. <laughs> All right. We want to thank everyone for listening to the show. We want to thank Masterclass again for sponsoring this episode. Thanks for being our partner in, in doing that. And we will see you all again in another seven days. 